Hey, everybody. Welcome into episode 13 of the My Fantasy Football Podcast. We are pumped to be back. We're pumped to have you listening. Matt and Ian are here with us today. Uh, we've been grinding out our rankings and grinding out articles put on Twitter, especially Matt Matt has. Um, but we are excited for today's episode. Matt, Ian, how you guys doing? Doing well, man. Doing well. It's uh, weird having football on a Tuesday and not on a Thursday this week. Uh, but it's kind of nice. Have a, the nights just chill, hang out. I'm going to have a FaceTime date with my girlfriend. It's going to be a good night. Nice. Yep, doing well also. Um, glad, kind of glad to have Thursday Night Football to get to watch the Braves rebound from whatever the heck they did yesterday. That was so, so gross. <laughs> yeah, I was glad that I wasn't able to watch it. I listened to the first inning on the radio and gladly got out of my car and didn't pay any attention to it until I until it was over. So <laughs> hoping they bounce back tonight. Yeah. I have not been watching any baseball and I kind of regret it because my sweet my sweet Marlins were knocked out. Um, by the Braves. By the Braves. Yep. Let's, <laughs> let's not talk about it. It's okay. I don't hate the Braves at all, but I just haven't been watching. Um, we got a great episode for you guys um, listening. We got some either or on today's episode, one at each position. We got our starts of the week at each position. Uh, and then we got some later on in the episodes. I'm going to have a personal confession corner where I have some things I just need to get off my chest to you guys and maybe apologize and maybe not apologize. We'll see. Uh, we also have some Super Bowl predictions for this week. And if we have time, we might do some last second uh, game picks for this weekend, but only if we have time. So let's jump right into it. Let's jump into some either or. Uh, we'll start with the quarterback position. We got Teddy Bridgewater at ECR 19 on the week playing against Chicago. And we got, or we got Andy Dalton, ECR 20 on the week versus Arizona. Matt, how about you start us off? What do you got? Yeah, I will go with Andy Dalton this week. It's not really a vote of confidence for Andy Dalton. It's more just me being scared of Teddy Bridgewater playing against the Chicago defense. Um, you know, Chicago's defense is very opportunistic. They force a lot of turnovers. Um, they are they have the second best defense in the league against fantasy opposing fantasy quarterbacks. They're allowing twelve point seven points per game to opposing quarterbacks in uh, in fantasy matchups. So, yeah, I'm just staying away from the Panthers. I think Ian is going to talk about fading the Panthers a little bit here in a second. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't love Andy Dalton's matchup against Arizona either. I like the Dallas playmakers a lot more than I like the Panthers playmakers. Um, so, yeah, give me Dalton this week. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I have Dalton at QB 16 on the week, which isn't unreal or anything. Uh, and I have Teddy Bridgewater at QB 20, and I don't even feel great about that, honestly. Um, but like you said, the Bears are great. The Cardinals are also seventh best against quarterbacks, so they both have some rough matchups. But I think the big vote of confidence in Dalton's favor relative to the two is that the Cowboys have played with by far the fastest pace in the NFL so far this year. And I do expect to take a bit of a dip with Dalton at the helm, but I also think he's a uh, savvy enough veteran that they shouldn't have too much uh, shuffling around to do and slowing down as compared to like a Brett Ripon or a Jared Stidham taking over or something like that. Um, I expect the Cowboys to keep the game fast-paced, which will just mean more opportunities for Dalton. Um, and I think the Bears are pretty much only vulnerable on the ground. So Mike Davis is just about the only Panther I'm not completely fading this week. Um, but right there with you, Dalton over Bridgewater. And I've got Dalton as well over Bridgewater. I've got Dalton at quarterback 14 on the week, and I got Teddy B. Actually, I've moved him up from ECR. I've got him at 16. I think I believe in Teddy a little bit more than you guys do. Um, 
not to say y'all don't believe in him, but it's just a tough matchup. I think he's going to be able to overcome the tough matchup just a little bit more than we're expecting. He's, he's shown that he's improving as the uh, weeks go on. And also Andy Dalton, I think it's a, I think it could potentially even be a smash play, but uh, I'm moving him up on ECR just outside of that quarterback, quarterback one threshold. Matt, out of curiosity, where'd you have Andy Dalton ranked? Do you know? Uh, yeah, give me two seconds while I pull it up. I have Andy Dalton at 17 and Bridgewater at 19. Okay, makes sense. So, yeah, I have Dalton a little bit higher than ECR, but not too much. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's go to the next one. Next one, we got either Kenyon Drake at ECR 20 or Antonio Gibson at ECR 18. Kenyon's playing uh, against Dallas and Gibson's playing at the Giants. Ian, why don't you start us off? All right. Like I said, the pace of that Cardinals game is going to probably be pretty good. But I think Kenyon Drake's going to take that back seat we've been waiting on this week. I have him ranked at 28 on the week, a lot lower than ECR, uh, while I have Gibson at 17. Um, but I think this is going to be Chase Edmonds' backfield more and more. This might be a transition week. Um, I think last week we only saw 18 touches from Drake because they were really just trying to get him going, see if he could get something together. They gave him a lot of carries inside the five, and he finally got one into the end zone. But he has just looked god-awful so far this year. And that's coming from someone who was all about some Kenyon Drake coming into the year in this uh, high-volume offense. Um, but I'm fading him. I still have him as a top 30 play on the week, but mostly because of the pace of the game and the fact that he probably won't lose all of his touches in one week. Um, but I don't even have it close between Gibson and Drake in Gibson's favor. Yeah, I'll hop in. I have Gibson at 17 and Drake at 21. Um, yeah, I'm just, we've talked about, it. I feel like we talk about Kenyon Drake every single podcast episode in the last like three weeks, but I'm just fading on Kenyon Drake just in general. Um, the Cardinals may be playing with a fast pace, but I think that leans more towards a Chase Edmonds game, like you were saying, Ian. I think Chase Edmonds is becoming the pass catching back and he is going to have a good game this week. I think, Ian, you're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, my only hesitation on Gibson is that JD McKissick has seen a lot of targets out of the backfield recently, so I'm not expecting a huge game from Antonio Gibson either. I just think he has a little bit higher of a touchdown upside, um, especially if Kyle Allen plays. The offense looked a little bit better with him than it did with Alex Smith. So yeah, give me Antonio Gibson this week. For me, I, I, I tweeted last night. I couldn't sleep. I was laying in bed and I couldn't fall asleep. So I got on Twitter and I tweeted at like 1 a.m. that I just refused to give up on Kenyon Drake. He's at ECR 20. I don't really think it's me being high on him. I have him, I have him at 19 for the week. Um, but regardless, I am going to go with Antonio Gibson this week. I've got him three spots higher. I've got him at running back 15 on the week. Um, and I'm going to talk about him a little bit later as well. Um, but I think Gibson's a, a good play this week. Um, he's, saw, he's seen five targets out of the backfield two weeks in a row. Um, I'm not really worried about J.D. McKissick because those five targets are also his his season high for the past two weeks. Um, and his snap percentage just keeps increasing throughout the season as the season goes on. So I like – Antonio Gibson this week, especially against the Giants defense. But uh, also note that I refuse to give up on Kenyon Drake. Volume is king. It'll it'll work out. We can talk about it when we get to running back starts of the week. But, um, yeah. Next one, we got T.Y. Hilton, ECR 30 versus Cincinnati, or Chase Claypool, breakout star of last week, ECR 31 versus Cleveland. I'll start us off with on this one. For me, um, I'm going Claypool. I'm kind of just – and as a whole, I'm off the Hilton train. I think he looks bad. He's he's dropped multiple passes throughout the season so far. 
I dropped him lower than ECR 30. I've got him at 35 on this on the week. And I actually moved Claypool up. I've got him at 26 on the week against Cleveland. Um, I'm kind of high on the Steelers as a whole this week against Cleveland. Um, Cleveland Cleveland's defense has been pretty good, actually. Uh, they're I think in fantasy points they're ranked inside the top five. Um, but I just I think that if everybody's back healthy on that Steelers offense with Deontay Johnson, Claypool, Juju, um, James Conner. And Big Ben, Big Ben looks pretty decent. I think that they are going to start showing out in the next few weeks. They're really, really good offense, um, tough to deal with, especially if they can all stay healthy. And Big Ben consistently has three or four um, targets to throw to. So I'm going Claypool. I've got him at wide receiver 26 on the week. Just out of interest, where do you have Deontay Johnson this week? Um, I have Deontay Johnson. Hold on, I'll have to look it up too. I've got him around. 31. Okay, so you have all three of them pretty high. Um, I have Deontay Johnson at 28, but when it comes to Claypool and Hilton, I have them right next to each other currently in my rankings at 37 and 38, with Claypool being at 37. Um, Hilton has absolutely zero touchdown upside, and this passing offense is anemic to any sort of um, ability to move the ball with Phil Rivers, a shade of who he used to be, Jonathan Taylor hasn't been able to get much efficiency because they're seeing so many stacked boxes um, because of the passing efficiency. Um, if Deontay Johnson plays, I'm not as high on uh, as ECR on Claypool, um, I, but I think he has touchdown upside, which when you get to that point in the rankings, that's what you're looking for, unless you're just, uh, you feel really good about your matchup this week and you just want a high four. Uh, Hilton has a it's gross to say, but he has a higher floor than Claypool. Uh, but there's absolutely zero world where Hilton could match Claypool's ceiling. Um, so I have to take the tiebreaker with the touchdown upside. Yeah, you kind of just said everything I was thinking, Ian. It's kind of, de- I think bet- if you're choosing between these two, it kind of depends on what you need. If you need someone with a high ceiling, it's got to be Claypool. Um, but I want to see a full, a game, a, I want to see Claypool play a game like he did last week. Obviously, we're never expecting four touchdowns again. But, you know, like six catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. I want to see a game like that from Claypool with Deontay Johnson on the field before I am fully bought in to the Chase Claypool hype. Um, So, yeah, if you need a ceiling, I mean, like we've seen, Chase Claypool is a big play guy. He can score at any second. Um, And T.Y. Hilton just doesn't have that upside anymore. Last week was his best week of the year. He had six catches for 69 yards, and he also saw 10 targets. Um, Cincinnati is a fairly vulnerable pass defense. But I think they are more vulnerable, more vulnerable in their run game. So this is probably trending towards Jonathan Taylor game rather than a Philip Rivers T. Y. Hilton game. Um, so yeah, these guys are really close in my rankings as well. I have T. Y. Hilton as the wide receiver twenty eight, and I have Claypool as wide receiver thirty one. So yeah, I think it just kind of depends on what you need. If you need a guy with a higher floor, lower ceiling, go with Hilton. But if you need a guy who's going to boom, if your roster is kind of questionable, I'd go with Claypool. Awesome. Well, let's move into the tight ends. Uh, tight ends, we got either Robert Tanyan at ECR 10 against Temple Bay or Mike Gesicki ECR 11 versus the New York Jets. Ian, I know you have some strong opinions about this one. Take it away. Devontae Adams is back. That pretty much kills Tanyan's value for me, uh, even with Alan Lazard out on IR. Um, we haven't seen Aaron Rodgers keep a tight end afloat for Fountain fantasy relevancy since the Super Bowl run with Jermichael Finley almost a decade ago. Um, We just can't really expect it week to week with the absolute target hog and 
like star of a fantasy football player, Devontae Adams, back. Uh, they're playing Tampa Bay, who's a really good defense. Tampa Bay isn't the team you can absolutely just look for tight ends uh, against like you used to be able to the last few years. They're pretty middle of the pack now, which is a much bigger improvement than we used to see. It used to be play all your tight ends against Tampa Bay and Arizona, and they've both gotten better at that. Um, Tanyan just, I don't think he'll have the value. He's still touchdown dependent like any tight end outside of the top four at this point in the year. Um, so you can probably do worse than Robert Tanyan based on how the position's going, but I have Gesicki at tight end nine. Uh, they're scheming him more. He's playing the Jets this week, and that's just a plus for absolutely anyone in my book. I should probably have Gesicki higher, and Tanyan is playing Tampa Bay, who I think that's going to be a more ball control game than people realize. Yeah, I will also go with Gesicki this week. I actually have him at tight end six, which is way higher than ECR. Um, but I, mean, I just love what I've seen out of him. He's playing. He's not on the field a ton, but when he is in the field, he's basically just playing like a slot receiver. Um, and the Jets are awful uh, on all aspects of playing football. So I think Gesicki has a chance to have a really big game. I think we I think my thoughts on Robert Tanyan are similar to my thoughts on Chase Claypool. I want to see a good Robert Tanyan game with Devonta Adams in the lineup before I am slotting him into all of my fantasy lineups for the rest of the season. So yeah, give me Gesicki this week. I'm actually a big fan of him this week and going forward. And for me, I'm going to go with Robert Tanyan as my pick on this either or over Mike Gesicki. I've got Tanyan at tight end six on the week against uh, ECR 10, and I've got Gesicki at 11. So I didn't move Gesicki at all. I really like Tanyan. I think he's the second or third option in this offense. Alan Lazard is still out. Devonta Adams is back, so I'm curious to see how that's going to work out between Tanyan and Devonta Adams. Uh, but something to note, something that I love about Tanyan is that every game he's seen a target in, he scored a touchdown. Three targets, week two, one touchdown. Five targets, week three, one touchdown. Six targets, week four, three touchdowns. That was his breakout game, obviously. Um, but he's getting targeted in the red zone, and I think Aaron Rodgers has – Got some rapport with him and trust him in the red zone. And I think that now that Devonta Adams is back, he's going to be by far the number one target hog in that offense. But I do think Tanya's going to see his share of red zone targets. And he has a just as high of a percentage chance to score a touchdown in the red zone as anybody else does. Uh, so give me Tanya. I don't hate Gesicki at all. I still like Gesicki. I think he's a good play as well. But I would rather play Tanya over Gesicki this week. I feel like the stat that you said about him scoring a touchdown every game he has a target in just screams regression to me. Yeah. He's not he's not gonna I mean he has five touchdowns through three weeks. There's no way he keeps that up all year, right? I mean, yeah, that's that's true. But I think that just the fact we I mean, if we know anything about Aaron Rodgers, it's that he has to trust the person he's gonna throw the ball to. That's why he's never really had a significant wide receiver two or anybody like that. It's always been Devontae Adams or I guess Greg Jennings back in the old days. But like I think now that he has that rapport with Robert Tanyan, there is a little bit of trust there and that he's targeting him consistently three weeks in a row in the red zone. I don't think he's going to score one every single week. Don't hear what I'm not saying, but I, I do think he has a higher percentage than most people to score a touchdown in the red zone with uh, Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. But I do agree. Regression probably will come. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a fan of Robert Tanyan as well. I don't think he's going to be – I think he's a decent player this week too. Sweet. Well, let's go into our starts of the week. I am excited about these. I did a lot of research today. I just finalized my starts of the week as we were starting the episode. Um, I feel like we got some good takes here. I'm looking at some of them right now before we start, and there's only one. Well, actually, yeah, there's one that I 
am excited to talk about because I'm, I'm not on the same page with it all. But <laughs> let's get into it. We'll start with quarterbacks. Um, Ian, why don't you start it off with your quarterback start of the week? Yeah, you have to start Kirk Cousins this week. Kirktober. Uh, yeah, Kirktober, baby. It's a one-quarterback league start uh, regardless. Superflex, he's right there. I have him at QB6 on the week. Um, ECR has him at QB10, and I think that's too low. He plays the Falcons, just absolutely porous defense. You uh, are starting to see more uh, cohesion between Thielen now that he's healthy this year. Uh, Justin Jefferson didn't do too much last week, but looks great rest of the season. Irv Smith is getting schemed up. Uh, without without Dalvin Cook there, I think it'll be similar to what we've seen with Christian McCaffrey out, where they'll just be able to spread the ball around a little bit, and they won't know exactly where the ball's going, other than the fact that Thielen's going to get his targets. Um, so I'm expecting a very cohesive week. Um, the Falcons, there's just this strange statistic. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but after teams fire their head coaches, they actually have a better chance of winning uh, the next game, which is just absolutely absurd uh, relative to spread and stuff like that. Um, so I expect the Falcons to bounce back this week, but I think that's going to make it a shootout. Uh, neither of these teams can stop people super well, especially through the air. Um, and I think that just means more passing volume for Kirk Cousins and who's going to see a lot of chances to rack up some yards and get some high-value passes out of there. I love that pick. I've got Kirk Cousins um, above ECR, too. I've got him at eight. So I'm I'm all in. Well, not all in, but I totally agree with Kirk Cousins. I've, and, you know, just the, the Kirk-tober narrative is just too good to not be in on the Kirk Cousins train, you know? How you like that? <laughs> Matt, how about you? What's your quarterback start of the week? Yeah, my quarterback start of the week is gross. Um, it's Daniel oh, it's, Jones. It's dirty. Yeah, this is more of like a super flex, two-quarterback league. Uh, I think you can start Daniel Jones as your second quarterback with some confidence. Um, I'm not a huge Daniel Jones fan, just like as a football player. Um, and that kind of translates to me having or me thinking he has a low upside as a fantasy quarterback. But I think this week he is going to blow up and have a massive game. The Washington football team is allowing 22.6 points per game to opposing quarterbacks. Um, and last season in week 16, Daniel Jones had the best game of his career against Washington. Uh, he had 20 completions, 352 yards and five touchdowns against Washington last year. Um, I think this is going to be an ugly game, but there's going to be points put on the board by both sides. So, yeah, give me Daniel Jones. Okay. I got to I got to be honest. This this is the one that that makes me throw up in my mouth a lot. Not even a little bit, a lot. I I don't I I I think I just disagree. I I don't think Daniel Jones is a good play this week. So maybe you can Convince me a little bit more, but Daniel Jones, we, I mean, his, it's Daniel Fumble Jones. We all know that. Fumble Jones. Um, he's fumbled in four games in a row now and lost three of those four fumbles. Uh, and if we know anything about the Redskins defense, it's that their front seven, their defensive line, is very good. And if we know anything about the Giants, it's that their offensive line is very bad. So I'm, I'm pretty worried for Daniel Jones this week. I don't think he's going to get much – room to do anything i think he's gonna get sacked a lot um i would be willing to bet a lot of money that he fumbles at least once this game uh but maybe you can maybe you can sweet talk me a little bit more on what you're what you're seeing with daniel jones this week matt uh i mean i think i i said most of it i i, I mean I don't, the, the washington football team just has not been great against opposing offenses um i mean they are one two three four they're the six worst Court, worst quarterback defense in fantasy football 
Um, so even though they do have a game wrecking defensive line, they aren't stopping people. Um, and Daniel Jones has good weapons. I mean, I think he need to just put the ball in the hands of his playmakers and let guys like Darius Slayton or Evan Ingram or even Devontae Freeman look decent last week. Just let those guys make plays. Um, and yeah, Daniel Jones turns the ball over a lot, but you know, if he tur- if he has a fumble or if there's an interception, that gets washed away by the five touchdowns he's going to throw for again. So <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really matter. If, it doesn't really matter if he turns the ball over once or twice if he is putting up numbers on the rest of his drives. Yeah, he ha- I would say in Daniel Jones's favor, he's only scored 11.29 fantasy points per game so far this season, but he's also played by far the hardest schedule in terms of opposing defenses faced of any quarterback in the league. Um, and he gets a lollipop of a matchup this week in a divisional game where they're trying to get back on track. Um, and I think if you were, he has the rushing upside, and if you're really hurting at quarterback, you could do a lot worse than Daniel Jones. I still don't have him super high. I have him 19 on the week. But you can do a lot worse than Daniel Jones this week. Yeah, if you're in a one-quarterback league, if you're in a 12-team one-quarterback league, you're probably not starting Daniel Jones. You definitely have a better option than that. This is for, like, deeper leagues. I'm just saying start him with confidence if you need a second quarterback in a league where you can play a super flex or two quarterbacks. It's more of a vote of confidence in saying, hey, if you need to start Daniel Jones, he is not a bad play. Compared to, like, I would rather start Daniel Jones than Teddy Bridgewater this week. I'd rather start Daniel Jones than... Um, like Carson Wentz this week. I have so. Daniel Jones directly ahead of those two people in my rankings. <laughs> yeah, there. You go. Thanks, Ian. There you go. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll accept it. Also, uh, just just as besides the fact, uh, besides the fact, but do we believe Daniel Jones is the future of the Giants? No, I don't think Daniel Jones is good by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> yeah, no. I I would love to see him with a more offensive centric mindset, like coach. Uh, yeah. Joe Judge has just kind of seemed all over the place so far this year. I'm coming from a special teams coach. I thought he'd really try and prove himself elsewhere. Uh, but really, it looks like the special teams has been by far the best unit out of the three there. And I mean, Daniel, you'd hope so, right? <laughs> yeah, you would hope so. But obviously, that's not the phase that Daniel Jones plays. Um, so I would say the jury's out between him being out of the league in three years and him being a perennial borderline starter. Yeah. Cool. Well, my quarterback start of the week, I was it was my start of the week last week when I was absent, but it's Ben Roethlisberger again. Uh, I kind of talked about earlier how I'm I'm kind of a believer in the Steelers this week and that their offense is going to be really good if if considering everybody's healthy. Um, but he's ECR seven. I've got him at quarterback five. Moved him up two spots. I just really like um, the way he's been looking in that offense. I don't really have anything that much else to add on it, truthfully, but. Um, he's got the weapons. He's got the running back. He's got the coach. It, it's all there. They are a contending team. They they look really, really good, and that defense helps a lot. Um, and I think because Cleveland has also been a pretty good team, and this is a divisional matchup, I think it's going to be a pretty competitive game. Um, it's going to call for Roethlisberger to throw the ball a lot. So um, I got Ben Roethlisberger in my quarterback start of the week. Cool. Let's move on to running backs. Uh, Matt, why don't you start us off with your quarter with quarterback running back start of the week? Yep, it is Miles Gaskin. Um, I talked about him a little bit on Tuesday, but yeah, I am buying all the Miles Gaskin stock I can this week. Um, he is seventh in the league in running back usage. He is seeing a ton, um, a ton of work, passing game and running game. They benched Jordan Howard last week. He was a healthy scratch. Um, so Miles Gaskin is seeing no competition uh, at the goal line. 
Last week, he saw four red zone carries and three red zone targets. Um, and if those numbers continue that way, he's going to have a huge week against the Jets, who are, again, like I said earlier, terrible against terrible every single part of the game of football. They are not stopping anybody, um, not stopping quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers. Yeah, give me Miles Gaskin. I think he's going to have a huge week. I like it. I like it. All right, this week, I already kind of hit on it with my feelings of Kenyon Drake, but. Uh, I'm starting Chase Edmonds in every league I have him this week, and I've traded for him in multiple leagues this week. Um, they're playing against a team, again, with the fastest pace in the league this year. They're going to have to pass the ball to keep up with Dallas, and I think that that is just more and more in Chase Edmonds' favor. Um, on the season, in terms of expected points added per play, Kenyon Drake subtracts uh, 13 hundredths of a point per play uh, that he is on the field. Whereas Chase Edmonds adds two hundredths of a point, and so that's a fifteen hundredths of a point per play difference um, in expected points added, and I think that's just too big of a differentiation, or too big of a differential for the Arizona staff to keep up with. I think Kenyon Drake's still going to see some early down work. I don't think it's going to immediately be Chase Edmonds' backfield, but he was already a viable flex play, and I think his snaps are just going to go up, and we're going to see more and more to propel him into that weekly RB2 uh, range going forward, if not completely more than that, if Kenyon Drake happens to fall off the face of the earth. So buy Chase Edmonds this week, buy him rest of season, and be happy about it. It scares me a little bit. Um, and when I look at his stats, they, scares me, they scare me a little bit. His snap percentage has just increased the past, the past three weeks. Um, so I, I, the, I see it. It could happen. But, man, I don't want it to happen just because I have way too many shares of Kenyon Drake. But it definitely could happen, um, and I hate to admit that. I think one thing that I, I do notice about when I look at his uh, kind of stat sheet and something is he is pretty touchdown dependent, but if his snap percentage continues to increase, that's not going to matter. He'll get the points because he is a PPR machine. So I like the pick, but I also don't like it at the same time because it grosses me out. Yeah, doesn't it? My running back start of the week, uh, and we kind of talked about him earlier, but it's Antonio Gibson running back for the Redskins. I've got him at running back 15 against ECR 18. Um, kind of in the same boat of what Matt was talking about with Daniel Jones, uh, just going up against a, a bad defense, not being able to stop the quarterback. It's kind of the same thing for uh, the Giants. They haven't really done a good job of stopping running backs all year long, and Antonio Gibson is a PPR machine. J.D. McKissick does – give me just a tiny bit of hesitation because he's seeing so many so much work out of the backfield but i think this is antonio gibson's game i think he's going to run all over the place and he's going to see some work out of the backfield so he's my start of the week at running back um rb15 so a pretty easy mid to high end rb rb2 play i'll start us off with our wide receiver starts of the week my wide receiver start of the week is brandon cooks uh, i have him at wide receiver 24 against ecr 35 um, I was listening to the Fantasy Footballers podcast. It was either earlier today or yesterday, and they were talking about how um, – oh, goodness. I can't remember who the Texans are playing. Who are the Texans playing? Uh, the Texans this week are playing – Houston. Oh, I'm uh, sorry, Tennessee. Tennessee, Tennessee, Tennessee. Tennessee, that's correct, yeah. Um, they were talking about how Tennessee has given up the most points to the wide receiver, too. Uh, which is hilarious. It's such a specific stat. But if we look at the Texans kind of wide receiving core, um, 
it's pretty safe to say that Will Fuller is the new wide receiver one, even though he's not your textbook wide receiver one type of guy, but he is the number one target in that offense. Um, and it's pretty safe to say that Brandon Cooks is the number two target in that offense. And I think that Brandon Cooks has looked good the past – well, he looked really good this past week. Um, but I think he's going to have another good week this week against the Titans defense. Um, I'm not super confident in this play, but I'm willing to play him as a wide receiver two um, wide receiver three minimum. He's at least going to be a wide receiver three, but I'm willing to play him as a wide receiver two. So he's my start of the week at wide receiver. Yeah, that Tennessee team was hobbled. Um, that it cost them to win that game on Tuesday night. They got ended up with a lot of players injured. I think that could be a bit of a track meet if they can keep Derrick Henry in check. So I, I like that play a little bit. Um, all right, my start of the week is Julian Edelman. Uh, he's back. He's The Patriots are playing this week. He had a bit of a dud his last time out, but they're playing the Broncos team that has just been absolutely awful uh, this year relative to expectations. Probably no fault of their own. They've just been injured so, so much on the defensive end. Um, But the Broncos are the eighth worst team against wide receivers on the season. Julian Edelman is the clear number one. Cam Newton should be back this week, I'm pretty sure. That's what the start hinges on. Um, Cam Newton should be back. Julian Edelman should completely get back on track. Uh, He should rack up yards against a team that has allowed a lot of uh, fancy points to slot receivers. Uh, this should be a really easy game in the Patriots' favor that we should have seen last week. Uh, but fire up Julian Edelman. You won't get another dud. I have him at wide receiver 31 on the week, and he's ECR 40. So fire him up. Yeah, and my wide receiver start of the week is Christian Kirk playing against the Cowboys. Um, I feel like the Cardinals' offense has been a little bit disappointing so far, but Kirk and Kirk along Kirk has been disappointing as well. But he showed some signs of life last week. He had seven catches for 78 yards um, against the Jets. But playing against the Cowboys, we talk about playing receivers, quarterbacks, running backs, whatever against the Cowboys because the pace of the game is going to be crazy. Um, And there's going to be a lot of opportunity for Kirk to see some targets. His main matchup this week is Trevon Diggs, who last week gave up 11 receptions at 129 yards to Darius Slayton. And according to the NFL's player profile, which if you have not used that, it's a really great tool just to see a lot of advanced metrics for fantasy football. Um, yeah, they have Trevon Diggs ranked as the 83rd best corner in coverage rate across the league. So, yeah, Christian Kirk is going to be a great play for me this week. Um, yeah, big fan of the Cardinals offense. Get you some pieces of that in DFS if you can. Yeah, I've also got a set of the week this week. Um, people aren't going to like it when I say it, and I don't like saying it as a Panthers fan as someone who owns a lot of them, but I'm not playing DJ Moore this week. Um, this goes back to me fading the Panthers, but the Bears are one of the best teams against wide receivers. This is Robbie Anderson's receiving core so far this year. He's averaging about four more expected fantasy points per game on the season, um, and DJ Moore's averaging like around 12 expense. Ex- expected fantasy points per game uh this bears team isn't going to let up on him uh teddy's going to be under duress this offensive line is going to be really put to the test that in a way they haven't really been so far this year um dj moore has a really rough uh depth of target because he's getting a lot of dink passes but they're not the kind of dink passes you can create as much space with as you'd like like a swing pass to a running back or something like that he's getting a lot of like five yard passes uh where he's just kind of curling or things along those lines last week he had a lot of yards but that was mostly inflated by that one ridiculous run after catch uh, against the falcons team that obviously can't stop anybody um i have robbie anderson just in wide receiver two territory this week and i have dj Moore barely inside my top 30 and that mostly comes from the 
quote-unquote volume uh, that we can expect from him. Uh, so if you have better options, I'd definitely look to start DJ more unless you're just too hobbled not to so far. Yeah, those are some great picks for wide receivers, guys. Let's go into our last one, tight ends. Uh, Matt, why don't you start us with your tight end? Yeah, my tight end start of the week is Irv Smith Jr. of Minnesota playing against the Falcons. Um, I mean, I talked about it last week, but this is just kind of the way I look at the tight end position in fantasy football. I never have one of the top guys. I'm always looking for guys, you know, probably between tight end like 10 and 15 in ECR to throw into my lineup just because I don't value it as highly as I do other positions. Um, so, yeah, this is pretty much matchup related. Atlanta gives up the second most points to tight ends in the league. And we saw Irv Smith have a decent game on Sunday night against Seattle. Um, the targets are few and far between in the Vikings offense because they do not pass the ball at a high volume. They rely on Dalvin Cook a lot. Um, but he's not playing this week. It's Alexander Madison's backfield, so I think they might put the ball in Kirk Cousins' hands a little bit more. We saw Irv Smith get schemed some targets on Sunday night. It seemed like he is earning a little bit bigger of a role in the Vikings' offense. And I'm looking for him to have a decent game against Atlanta. Yeah, I love that. Uh, adding on to that, we were talking about it before the podcast. Before last week, Irv Smith Jr. was only running a passing route on about like just under 40% of plays. And that jumped up over almost to 80% last week. And they were specifically scheming him the ball. Um, if you need a play this week with this awful, awful position, Irv Smith is one of those gyms that you might end up actually being able to rely on pass this week. Um, and this could be a breakout game. I love that. Um, this week, I have TJ Hawkinson. Uh, I don't feel, I don't love it. It's, it's whatever. I have TJ Hawkinson just inside of tight end one territory. He's playing Jacksonville, which is one of the worst teams against tight ends in the league. And that's pretty much where this comes from. He hasn't seen a, a dearth of targets or anything like that. But Jacksonville has been really uh, beatable from the tight end position. They're bottom six in the league against tight ends. Um, they're going to need to pass the ball to somebody. And Marvin Jones has just been looking a lot more each week, like he's over the hill uh, that a lot of us weren't expecting. Uh, TJ Hawkinson, you can do a lot worse purely based off the fact that if he gets a touchdown, he's probably one of the top eight tight ends of the week, easy, just based off of expected points. Yeah, my tight end start of the week, talked about him earlier again, uh, but Robert Tanyan, I got him at tight end six on the week against ECR of 10. Uh, I just, I'm a believer in the talent, I'm a believer in the trust he has with Aaron Rodgers. Um, by no means am I calling for another 30 plus point game. Um, but you can easily start him in your lineup as 12 to 15 points pretty solidly, uh, at least a floor of, of 10 points, I think, minimum. But uh, I like I like Tanya this week. I think he has just as high of a chance, like I said earlier, to catch, catch a touchdown as anybody else does. Um, so Robert Tanya tied in six against ECR 10 for me this week. So he's my start of the week. Man. All right, let's go to Super Bowl predictions. I was interested in this. We have five weeks of information to go off of. Uh, not a nice, cute round number, like a quarter of the way through the season or anything. But we have a lot to go off of. And I'm just interested to see, what do you guys think? Who are going to play in the AFC and NFC championship games? Who's going to play in the Super Bowl? Who's going to take it home? Your gut right now. Who, who's, who's looking good? My gut, I'll, I'll go. My gut is Seahawks versus Steelers. Uh, I think the Seahawks look great, and they're able to – um, compete at a really, really high level with their offense when their defense is really, really bad. Um, and I kind of mentioned this to you guys a couple weeks ago whenever I was – and I ended up being absent, so I never got to talk about it. But I, I came up with this thing in my head called the theory of general improvement. 
And essentially, it's just the belief that as the season goes on, teams are going to get better. And it, it sounds really stupid. sounds really simple. But I, I really believe that as the season goes on, the Seahawks defense is going to get better. Jamal Adams is going to get healthy. They're not going to be this terrible defense throughout the entire season. I really think they're going to get better. Um, and once that defense starts to get better throughout the season through the theory of general improvement, as we just talked about, um, I, I think they're going to be a powerhouse team, especially with the way Russell Wilson is playing. And Chris Carson looks great. DK Metcalf, uh, Tyler Lockett. I mean, they they look awesome. Their offense looks unstoppable almost. And, um, yeah, I, I think the Seahawks for sure. And then the Steelers. The Steelers look great too. They've got all the pieces. They've got all the weapons. Uh, veteran quarterback who's won one before. Um, they've got a great running back, great wide receiver core, a great defense again. They've got the coaching staff for it. So, yeah, those are my picks, Seahawks, Steelers. Yeah I'll, yeah, I'll hop in. I think my NFC Championship game right now, if I would have to go with Rams-Packers is what I would be thinking for the NFC Championship. And my AFC Championship game would be Steelers-Chiefs. Um, and I think we are heading towards a Chiefs Rams Super Bowl is what I'm going to go with right now. Um, obviously, the Chiefs look incredible. They had a rough game against uh, Vegas on Sunday, but I think that might have been them looking ahead a little bit to this marquee matchup with Buffalo. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Mahomes, love Andy Reid. I think the Chiefs defense is a little bit vulnerable, but we can say that about every team in 2020. It is an offense-driven league, and I think the Chiefs are just going to shoot out against other teams and their way to the Super Bowl. Um, and I kind of feel the same way about the Rams. I have loved what I've seen from the first few weeks. We were talking about this a little bit before we hit record. Um, they just ran the NFC East gauntlet. Uh I mean, gauntlet isn't the right word if you're talking about the NFC East. I don't really know what to call I think, it. I think it should be called the NFC East ball pit. Yeah, there you go. The NFC East ball pit. Yeah, they stumbled They stumbled their way through that and came out on the other side. Um, <laughs> and the Rams look really good. I mean, two years ago, they were in the Super Bowl. Sean McVay is a genius. I think people are kind of out on him after them having a rough year. But the Rams are going all in to play to make the Super Bowl this year. I said this a couple weeks ago after they played the Bills. I thought that that could be a potential Super Bowl matchup. Um, so, gonna stick with half of that. Give me Rams, Chiefs, and the Super Bowl. If I were to see if the season were to end today, that's what I would think would be in the Super Bowl. I actually think that's pretty much exactly what I would say. I think there's, I think I would say there's clear, a clear three best teams in each conference uh, by my eyes. I think in the AFC you got the Chiefs, Steelers, and Ravens. And it would come down to who got the hottest. But I've been really unimpressed by the Ravens so far. Uh, they're playing really conservative. And I think they're really vulnerable to get exposed when push comes to shove, just like they were last year against Tennessee. I do think Tennessee is a fun dark horse in the AFC. I didn't mention them. Um, but I don't think uh, we've seen enough to expect that. So I think the Chiefs are who I'd lean on in the AFC. But in the NFC, I think it does come down to Packers, Rams, Seahawks. Um, I personally prefer the Rams. I think they're back to what we saw two years ago. Like you were saying, they're running the ball well, and they have three backs, so they're not completely Todd Gurley dependent at this point. I've been pretty impressed by all three other backs, and they're looking to feed Cam Akers more this week, which from a fantasy perspective isn't great for Darrell Henderson or really just identifying that backfield. Uh, But they've looked good. Aaron Donald is the best football player I've ever seen. Uh, He's unreal. Jared Goff looks borderline untouchable so far in the most under-the-radar way. Um, Russ is cooking. That defense is vulnerable, though, so I think that could be a really fun game. The Packers have just looked almost flawless to this point. Uh, Aaron Jones is getting his. Devontae Adams is getting healthy. I think they'll be a tough out. 
But I don't think there's a lot after that in the NFC. All the other contenders have been hobbled by injuries or just not meeting expectations. I think the Bears are pretenders. I have no faith in the Bears to win a playoff game. Yeah. Um, the NFC South is really, really gross. But I think the Bucks will probably come out of it. Um, but I don't have faith in them actually being able to keep up the firepower of the Seahawks or Rams or Packers. Um, so I think I'd lean Rams, Chiefs, and I think the Rams are my Super Bowl favorites at this point. I think the three NFC teams might be my three favorites for the Super Bowl. I think whoever wins the NFC is going to win the Super Bowl. That's so funny. I I feel like I have two or three AFC teams that are before any NFC team that I have, uh, but Seahawks being the first NFC team. I love how different we are in those. Uh, I do have two. I just got to put in two really quick, my two favorite dark horse teams. And when I say dark horse, I mean super, super dark horse uh, teams, one for each division. Uh, for the NFC, it's the Panthers. I, I see – I really – I mean, I've been impressed compared to last year. I think probably most of it is in comparison to last year. But the Panthers look really, really good. Matt Rule has come in, and he's he's turned the ship around. And, and they the Panthers look like a good football team. Teddy Bridgewater looks like a – a great – great's a strong work, but a great game manager quarterback. He looks good. Um, I think there's a pretty decent chance that the Panthers can run away with the NFC South. I mean, I really I really can see it. I think that the Panthers have a chance of getting that NFC South uh, victory. Um, so I, I have them down as a dark horse as maybe winning first round of playoffs, losing second round, knocking out a powerhouse team, but a big surprise, a Vegas favorite or a Vegas uh, moneymaker or something like that. But uh, my AFC one is the Raiders. When the Raiders are playing good football, they look like an awesome football team. But the problem is that they're not doing it every single week, which is really sad. Uh, but I, I'm just going to have them as a deep, dark horse team on hopes that they can continue to look like a great football team and have all those pieces working together. Uh, John Gruden's a great coach. He's a football genius. Uh, we all knew that. And uh, Derek Carr's looked really good. He's looked like a good quarterback. Um, and they've got all the weapons, and their defense looks much better this year than it did last year. So those are my two deep dark horse teams in each conference. Um, I, two, I have two things on that. One, I love what you said about the Panthers. I think they almost remind me of a pre-evolution of the Alex Smith Chiefs teams um, mm. in terms of play style. Uh, they're just a fun team. They're hard to beat if they're clicking on all cylinders. The ceiling might not be there, uh, but they're a fun team to watch. Yeah, um, I also noticed not a single one of us mentioned the Bills a single time in that conversation. Are you guys just as out on the Bills as I am for a chance to win a Super Bowl? I think they're probably third or fourth in the AFC to me. Um, they're, they're right. They're tied with the Ravens for third or fourth with me. Uh, that that loss kind of hurts them a lot in my head, but I still think they're a really good football team. Yeah, I think the Bills are still really good. Um, I mean, it was a stinker on Tuesday night, but they were coming off back-to-back wins against the Rams and the Raiders, who it seems like we think are decent. Um, well, I mean, if we think the Rams are really good, we think the Raiders are decent. I'm interested to see how they look this week against Kansas City. I think that'll tell me a lot about the Bills. Yeah. I wish their defense was healthier because I think we'd get a better barometer. But they're, at this point, missing just about everybody. So maybe that's another reason I'm lower on them, but... I was also lower on them when they were healthy. So yeah, we'll- Josh, Josh Allen turned into a pumpkin on Tuesday. I mean, he was <laughs> he was like the Josh Allen that we all had been seeing the last couple of years. I never uh, thought I'd say this, but I've never seen a quarterback miss John Brown more in a game. Oh my gosh, <laughs> he was 
he was just looking at only Stefan Diggs all game. I hope Le'Veon Bell signs there because I think that might add some dynamicism to the team. We'll see. Um, one other just absolute scorching blasphemous take I have is that if Jameis Winston were to take over as the Saints starting quarterback yes. next game, yes. they would be instantly a contender to win the Super Bowl. There's not a single quarterback with average depth of target over 10 yards. Shout out Chase Fletcher. And Jameis Winston is exactly what we need in the NFL right now. I want Jameis Winston against Pat Mahomes in the absolute shootout of the century. Aren't you a little afraid of Jameis Winston getting punched in the face by Michael Thomas, though? Because Michael Thomas won't – he won't throw Michael Thomas a slant route? I, I don't care. Michael Thomas can go deep. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson's already taking out his punches. Michael Thomas can't afford to punch anyone else at this point. <laughs> um, Jameis Winston is exactly the openness that they need, especially when Michael Thomas comes back. Maybe we'll see Breeze improve. Breeze has looked like an awful quarterback to this point. Like, not even trying to say, like, he used to he used, uh, Drew Breeze is, in my opinion, like a top three quarterback all time. Drew Breeze is great. He owns almost every relevant passing record there is. But – he is just past his hill. Um, even I don't. They shouldn't be as bad as they are, even without Michael Thomas. And they just have so many good pieces around them. It's gross. But also, forgive me. That's I love you, Drew Brees. I just, no, no, there's no eat a W. Eat a W. That is, that is not a blast mistake. I have been said. I said that like two weeks ago. That <laughs> they need to start Jameis Winston instead of Drew Brees. I'm all in on that one. Yeah, that's good. All right, Sam. What What do you got for this confession corner of yours? Tell you us know. About Confession Corner, I don't really know if that's the correct title for what's about to happen. I have two I have two things. I just need to get it off my chest. I just need to confess it to the world, to our listeners, to you guys. And there's two topics. I'll make it quick. We're running out of time. The first one was Michael Gallup. You know, he's been he's been disappointing. I tweet about him every week because he's just the he is my he's my heartbreak every single week. Because I Refused to not start him, and it hurts every single freaking time. And the one time I did not start him is the one game he put up 25 points. So, uh, yeah. But anyways, Michael Gallup, Here's there's two ways of, of doing this. Actually, no, we're going to go with the one that I want. Michael Gallup, this is your last chance. I swear, if you don't put up points this time, I'm, I'm going to drop you from my roster in my main league just to see what my league mates say about it because they know how high I am on Michael Gallup. Um, here's here's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing with Dak being out and Andy Dalton coming in, they're going to rely on the run more. And I think because they're going to rely on the run more, it's going to open up downfield a little bit more than it has been in the past. And we all, if we know anything about Michael Gallup, it's that he's their downfield threat. So I'm just banking on an up an uptick in usage for Michael Gallup, and he's going to be Andy Dalton's favorite target in this offense, and he's going to be a fantasy monster from here on out. Um, I'm not, that's what I'm hoping. I'm not yeah. going to put any bets on it, but that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> he, he is a downfield, downfield threat. I think he might be the fourth or fifth best downfield threat on that team. Cedric Wilson, obviously <laughs> number one. Um, Las Vegas Bowl MVP, Cedric Wilson. Oh, and my goodness. That, you can discern however you wish. <laughs> Second topic, the Tennessee Titans. I just – this is mostly an apology. I have been out on the Tennessee Titans. I trashed them all off season. Um, Mike Vrabel, I'm sorry. Derrick Henry, I'm sorry. Ryan Tannehill, I'm sorry. Uh, I believe in you guys. You guys are really good at football. You just thrashed the Bills like it was nothing. Um, so I'm a believer in the Titans. There, I said it. I'm a believer in the Titans now. 
Um, I'm sorry. I, I just had to get those things off my chest. Can we talk about the fact that Ryan Tannehill has been the starting quarterback for almost a calendar year now in Tennessee, and he has just been a constant top six fantasy quarterback, and no one cares. And in okay. real life football, he has been a like top five quarterback of all time in terms of efficiency, and no one cares. Listen, in two, I think it was 2017 or 2016. Uh, on the record, I texted my friend Chris, and he will vouch to me, vouch for me till this day, that I thought that Ryan Tannehill was a dark horse MVP candidate. That was three years ago. I have always been a believer in Ryan Tannehill's talent, and all he had to do was get away from Adam Gase. And now, look at my king shine. Look at my king. <laughs> look at my king shine, Ryan. We Tannehill. said it like our very first podcast. Ryan Tannehill with time plus yeah. James. Crowder equals all of fame <laughs> of the Super Bowl. That's what the yes. world needs. Get Jameson Crowder out of there. Exactly. You didn't um, think podcast without mentioning him. <laughs> hey, I'm going to just quick confession corner. This might, I don't know if this is a confession corner, but this is just a, a steamy take I have for this week. DeAndre Swift will finish this week as a top 24 running back. That's that's my take. You need, um, you need to get a little bit steamier with that. Let's go. Let's get a little bit top higher. Top 20. Give me top 20 for DeAndre Swift. What do you have I don't have him ranked that high. Um, I have him – I'm scared to rank him that high. I have him <laughs> at 32 right now. Um, but Adrian Peterson missed practice today with an illness. So if Adrian Peterson doesn't play, I think that DeAndre Swift is a top 15 running back this week, actually, if Adrian Peterson doesn't play. Um, I'm just all in. I'm just all in on the breakout. I love DeAndre Swift. Go dogs. Go dogs, baby. Go dogs. Go dogs. Beat Bama. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess I I'm gonna I'm just gonna throw this in there before we close. Upset of the week: Bengals over the Colts. Uh, Colts can't keep it up, but that's that's my upset of the week. Um, but yeah, thank you guys so much for for tuning in. I'm sure Matt and Ian have something to add on that because that's pretty ridiculous of me to say, but we're not gonna let them add on it. We're just gonna end with that. Um, <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast and be a part of this little project that we are loving so far. Thank you all so much. We will talk to you next time.